Welcome to Buffeting, the podcast with my wife Cass Ew. and I share our conversations on investing with you as we try to keep compounding capital so I don't have to go back to being a carpenter. And I don't have to go back working with real estate agents. <laughs> we hope you find it informative and entertaining. But we are not your financial advisors and nothing we say should take as investment advice. As always, do your own research, which is more fun. And now without further ado, on to the episode. This is like the Aussie Tesla, except with the fundamentals intact. With actual... Like the lovely balance sheet yes. at a very cheap price. EOS is trading on about 10 times earnings for 2022. Let's just repeat that. 10 times earnings. Have we seen that in the past six months? Yeah, yeah, year? yeah. <laughs> for, for, for those of you who are too young to know what 10 times earnings is... <laughs> Welcome to the next episode of Buffeting with Cass and Mitch. Welcome. Now, this one is going to be a little bit different. We're doing purely stock analysis today of one company. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you're not interested in a potential 100 bagger, then... <laughs> Get your head checked. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> catch us up next episode. We'll be a little bit more general. But today, we are going over one company, EOS. Now, this is not the crypto coin EOS. No, it's not. Definitely not. This is on the Australian Stock Exchange. So the ticker is EOS.AX. And we own, before we started this um, latest round of deep research that we did, um, this was like a 5% petition. Um, it was going down a bit. It was like about 6 when we started it. It's off a little bit. Um, and then based on this new research we've done, we've doubled up. So it's now 11% of the portfolio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're feeling really good about it, eh? Like we're feeling pretty pretty pumped. It's a pretty interesting um, company with a pretty good situation that's um, pretty fascinating. So yeah. Yeah. obviously, if um, you can pick holes in any of our argument, please let us know. Please. Because it is 11% of our portfolio now. Yep. So you'll be helping <laughs> us. So we would love to know. Um, also, this one, we have a video going. Hello. <laughs> um, and we also have a presentation. Yeah, we, so, we tried to do it um, without the presentation, um, but it's quite complex, this company. And I think that's probably a, like a big reason why um, it's, well, we believe it's so cheap. It's because there's a lot of complexity. There's a lot of things that um, aren't clear that involve a lot of research and understanding about their products. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's pretty in-depth. So we've gone with the presentation. Um, so if you are just listening on the podcast, we highly recommend to pop onto YouTube and have a look at the video yep. because we will try our best to keep it like audio complete, but you might need to refer back to the screens Yes, to make total it'll, sense. It'll make more sense probably with the slideshow, but fingers crossed it'll still make enough sense in the yes. podcast, but we'll see how we go. So yeah, the, probably the, the first thing to say is the company. Uh, so as you said, love, the ticker is EOS.AX, Electro Optic Systems. It's a very, um, it's a very reasonably priced, but very technologically in-depth company. They're in the aerospace segment, which basically means you know weapons, technology, space, lasers. This is all the stuff they have in their arsenal, don't they? Yeah, they're massive nerds. Massive nerds. They're all nerds. Everyone at the company. And I think this is why like people aren't talking about them and their stock price isn't going crazy. Yeah. Um, because they're just good at what they do. Yeah. And they don't know how to really sell the company and the future potential of what the company could be. Yeah. Um, as I always say, like, could you imagine? This is like the Aussie Tesla, except with the fundamentals intact. With actual... Like, with a lovely balance sheet yes. at a very cheap price. Yes. Um, with a whole bunch of other nice, interesting stuff, but it's sort of 
you know, it's it's plus you, you get that for free basically. Yeah, but if Elon Musk was running this company, you'd know all about it, and its stock price would be like five hundred times what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's trading at three times sales. It'd probably be like five hundred times sales if it was probably <laughs> Elon at the helm. Um, and then we'd be yeah. shorting it. But. We'd be short- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Even even then, I think it's pretty pretty good. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So EOS, let's get on into it. Let's get it. into the presentation. Um, so I'll I guess start us off. Um, They've been growing pretty steadily for the last few years, um, never really generating significant amounts of profit. Um, they invest a lot of money back in R&D, um, and that's the main reason we can tell why they haven't been generating huge amounts of um, cash flow. I'm not actually sure if they have ever generated positive positive cash flow because the company keeps growing and they keep having to reinvest in inventory because it's quite capital intensive what they do. So I guess that point though is very important because we have kind of labeled this as a potential hundred bagger hmm. um, based on one of those factors being the reinvestment in R&D, which yes. is typically, you know, it's a standout feature of your hundred baggers in history yep. and it's something to look out for to like show the true quality of a business that has a long-term view yeah. of, um, of trying to reinvest and grow and become something bigger. Yep. You know, it might take longer, but they've got that vision in place, which is cool to look for. And most of those companies that were talked about in 100 Baggers actually weren't profitable either. And they had a lot of R&D spend. So That's right. um, in, yeah. this, in this first, uh, second slide, sorry, um, we've just gone through some of those, yeah, there come some of those boxes that you can tick if you're looking for a 100 Bagger that when that guy did his study that were apparent, basically. Um, so, you know, got a long runway for growth. It's in the... It's in a highly technological industry. Um, they have their fingers in a lot of pies with that. Um, it's the right size market cap um, with the right amount of revenue, actually. So the average market cap for a hundred bagger was five hundred million, and um, the average revenue was one hundred seventy million. And EOS is a market cap of five six two and a current revenue of one ninety. So it's right in that range. It's right in the pocket, <laughs> which is you know it might not mean anything, but it's a good place to I start. I think it's it's a pretty. It's, it, it's it, nice aligns. Little, it's it nice aligns little. very nicely, too nicely. But it's also got like all the other factors in there as well. Definitely. So you've got a founder-led owner-operator CEO um, by the name of Ben Green. And he has been, he's got a 5% ownership stake in the company. And he has been with the company from the outset. 83, he was part of the company. Um, and he's, you know, he's a physics PhD. He understands technology really well. Um, and yes, from what we can tell, seems to be a very logical, um, very long-term thinking CEO, which is again what you want in to have a you know potential huge hundred bagger return. Um, it's an established company, so again you've already got a fair bit of revenue there. Their clients are all government, so you know it's kind of hard to win a contract. You know it can be a bit tricky at that stage. But once you've won a contract, um, it's very good, uh, and the cash flows are sold. Like you know if the government's your client. You're probably going to get paid, um, even though the cash flow is a little, little bumpy. Yeah, and that kind of would bring a bit of stickiness with it. You would think, like if they've already got that relationship there with, like, um, the U.S. government yep. and the Australian government and all the allies under that banner. You know, they have had that relationship for um, many years now, yep. and so you'd think that that's pretty, pretty stable um, as a client base. For sure, for sure, and all all of um, it's a very kind of traditional moat in the business that, as far as we can tell. So, um, 
it's all the technology is patented. It's you know their own intellectual property. Um, they design products from scratch. You know, in the words of the the CEO Ben Green, they don't compete. They design a new product from scratch and then try and create new markets. Yeah, um, and I, and I love when he says like they even have new products ready to go, mm-hmm. but they're not going to bring them out until their current product becomes outdated because yep. you're just cannibalizing your own product line because no one's competing with it. So just keep selling what you've got. And as soon as that's outdated, bam, hit them with the new one. Exactly. You know, it's, it's a fantastic business model. Exactly. And that little link there um, under the high gross margin um, section there is uh, the link is to a, a talk that he gave to, to an investing conference about a year ago. Um, and he goes through a lot of the technology. Um, and it's really nice to hear someone talk in the way that he talks, just very calmly, very logically, not very promotional. Probably should be a bit, bit more promotional. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's not your typical um, CEO who's no. just out to increase the share price. I think he is what a PhD with engineering. Yeah, uh, PhD in physics, I think. In physics, yeah. So you know, this guy is just an intellectual, right? He's not a salesperson, yes. and um, it's a good thing. Yeah, that's what ultimately. you that's what you want when you're working for the government. You want to be, you know, executing on what you say you're going to do, and that's the kind of person who's probably quite good at that. So yeah, yeah. Okay, next slide. Um, yeah, so this is a snapshot of the business. Um, there's three segments, uh, defense systems, space systems, and communication systems. Um, and the, they've only really had one product which they've um, monetized fully, which is their um, RWS, remote weapon system. Basically, they don't create the gun, but they create the system and the robot that controls um, the, the gun on top, on top of a, a Humvee. Um, so as the Humvee is driving along, instead of the person, you might have seen it, I've seen this a few times in movies, you know, you've got a Humvee driving along and you've got a soldier up top, you know, basically manning the gun, which is a very exposed position. Um, but using their system, um, all these Humvees ended up being controlled from inside the Humvee and their their hit rate is actually far more accurate than a, even a highly trained um controller of that gun so it's it's a win-win basically it's more accurate and it's safer for the soldier and that's why they had such massive success with it the product yeah but i guess just like a, an overview of the business it is a aerospace entity and a defense systems exporter so yes. their whole business is in three segments um, but they all kind of work in synergy with each other yes um, so you've got your, your defense systems which is what mitch was just talking about mm-hmm um, the remote weapon system, um, and then they've got a few other product lines under that as well. Yes. Um, and then you've got your space system and your communication system. So there's three little arms of the business there. Yep. Um, the defense system is kind of what they've worked on the most. Mm-hmm. They've got functioning products yep. um, and a functioning revenue stream. Yep. Um, the space and the communications are kind of the next in line to really grow EOS into something potentially really big. And I think that's probably why the market um, has valued it the way it has because because those technologies aren't producing any cash flow yet. Um, it's it's taken a long time for us to get to a point where we actually feel like we can understand technologies enough to work out that there is potential yeah. to make profit from that. And that's taken us a long time, but it's been an absolutely fascinating um, journey in terms of learning about how their products work and how incredible they are so, yeah it is yeah. pushing us kind of to the edge of our circle though it is um so we've tried our best to understand it 
But you know what? If there's any engineers out there who's like, hey, you guys are wrong with this, please let us know. Oh, man. Um, it'd be so helpful to, to have an expert reach out and we can ask you questions. Awesome. <laughs> Physics PhDs, come on. Yeah. Bring it on. <laughs> um, but just in the final summary of like their defense part of the business, which is where they've proven themselves mm-hmm. and kind of proven the moat that they can have in this space. Um, their product line um, is 25% better in range and accuracy than a nearest competitor. So that's quite a significant difference between competition. Um, yep. And this is the remote weapon system. Yes. So 25% better in range and accuracy. Um, they've got a 78% hit rate um, out to 2.2 kilometers. And the previous industry best was 1.5 kilometers. So again, like head and shoulders above um, competitors in this space. And they've got a world-leading first-hit probability um, at 72%. So that's just to kind of define how good they are at what they do. Yes, how, how far above their competitors. And that the best way, the best that we can understand it is that that advantage comes from their advantage in laser systems because that's his original competency um, is his understanding of lasers and they really focus on that. Um, that's where they're able to get that incredible accuracy from. That's so, right. Pretty fascinating. Yeah. Okay, next slide. Yep, so as we were saying, this is their existing sources of revenue, um, things that are currently monetized. As you can see at the top there, the RWS is what we were talking about just then. Um, now this, they've only collected one billion of what they feel, was it 15 billion or 10 yeah, billion? Yeah, they said, like this is kind of a market that they have, Created. kind of created because the US government originally funded them as a research project with like $400 million um, to create this remote weapon system mm. with the laser technology. Yep. And so from that, which was like 20 years ago or something, um, they've EOS has now come in and invested in that technology and they own it as their own IP. Yep. Um, but they have kind of turned this into a functioning product that they've tendered out to governments mm-hmm. and won contracts for. Yep. And now those contracts are coming through, you know, they're delivering on the product. And as soon as the product gets delivered to the client, it's checked and yep. then paid for. And so all of that is kind of, it got disrupted through COVID. Yep. Um, but now it's back on track to kind of get back to where they were scheduled to be by the end of this year, hopefully. Exactly right. And, and they're, they're due, there's uh, about a hundred million dollars of um, a product that they've um, transported to the right location where it can be delivered to the client, but there's a whole bunch of processes that they have to go through testing everything um, before they can actually receive the cash flow. They were supposed to get the cash flow before Q2. Um, in the most recent announcement, they mentioned that they're, um, they've pushed that out to Q4, but at the end of the day, it's the government's the client, it's all under contract, the money will come through. It's just taking a little bit longer. That's right. And I think some people had some pushback with their last earnings call, wasn't it? In like, they've got this funny thing that they have to convert their inventory to cash, Mm -hmm. um, which sounds bizarre, but it's just the kind of business that they're in and the clients that they have. So government clients, literally all that's involved is like sending them these products, but the products need to be tested and go through all these loops for, for government security and make sure they work. And only then can that inventory on EOS's balance sheet be converted to cash exactly. as like a payment from their client. So exactly. there's a bit of a process involved yep. and, you know, 
a bit of understanding, but it's all above board. <laughs> exactly. It, it doesn't it doesn't worry us at all, you know, that the fact that the cash flow has been pushed out, you know, the government's good for it. Yeah, um, and I, I think it's patient. these funny little pockets that um, people are like, oh, that's a bit weird, or that's too difficult, next. Yep. And this is where you can find some good opportunities. Yes, well, that's what we think anyway. Yeah, we're, we're really, um, really excited about it. So, um, great, next slide. Now, this here, apart from the top, this is the next slide, new sources of revenue not yet monetized. Basically, everything below that top line RWS is all products... Um, apart from the EM solutions, which is the, um, that's a functioning business as well. Um, all of that stuff is products that they've developed and they've finished and have not yet monetized or barely monetized. Now, historically, each one of these markets, they've captured um, 30% of the market or their goal is to capture 30% and they feel that's achievable to the extent that they've been able to actually come out and say, look, we think we can get 30% of the market. Um, that second product, um, there's been no sales. Um, as far as we know, no sales have come from that product yet. Um, but that is, from what we can tell, the world's best anti-drone remote turrent. Most accurate, um, has a whole bunch of different options to take down a drone with a last resort being actual gunfire. Um, there's a whole bunch of different things, you know, directed energy, um, all these technologies that they have that they can actually use to take it down again there's been no sales from that but you can imagine with drones you know being as popular as they are now um, we're basically one drone terrorist attack away from you know thousands of secure locations demanding some kind of drone defense yeah you can um, you can see it being a real problem in the future i think they've they've already been some kind of battles that have come up recently yeah yeah um what was the most recent one in Azerbaijan? Or? Yeah, so there was a, a small little war in Azerbaijan that was basically decided by um, drone strikes. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's. Uh, I did a bit of reading about it. It was pretty pretty fascinating. It was a few weeks ago, so I'm a bit a bit crusty on it. But yeah, by all means, look into it. It was a huge. It was. I mean, you can imagine if one side had a better drone defense technology than the other, it mm. would have made a huge difference. Yeah. Um, but... And you know, yeah. I guess this this is the point though. It's just one of their pieces of technology yep. that they have that's fully, um, fully tested, fully working, and now it's literally just tendering to governments to get contracts to to sell this stuff. Yeah. Um, and that is just the second item in their defense segment. They've still got um, a valuable IP in their communications and their space sector that yeah. hasn't even been monetized yet, but there's products already there that are yep. just ready to kind of be rolled out and. Yep shopped around so you can definitely see that they're going to capture a bit of the market yeah you know they've said 30 percent. that's reasonable um looking at the size of these markets yeah that's that's substantial revenue streams there from from things they already have in existence so i mean if, if anything like 30 percent of a 20 billion market um comes to this company um you know with the same margins that they've made historically it would be a, a game changer for the company basically yeah. in terms of the size of the company and the valuation so and this doesn't this doesn't require any more r&d to be dropped into these products no. like they're, they're ready so and they get kind of down payments to to build uh, to build the product yep before delivering to the clients so you literally just whatever margin they get whatever market they capture that's your future cash flow there yeah um, but we can't really put a figure on it 
And that's what makes it hard to value because you know, you, you're not sure when these contracts are coming up. You're not exactly sure how many they're going to win. No. You're not it's exactly sure. It, it's it's very it's uncertain. They've got a good track record over the last couple of years of, of winning contracts, but that's what makes it hard to value. Um, but luckily, there's not two heroic assumptions that are required to actually make the current price make sense. That's right. So... Next slide. What is Spacelink? Spacelink. So, yes, this is in their... Well, I guess it's a combo of the space and the communication sector Yes. for them. Um, but this is like the really exciting part that we hadn't even considered really when we were initial shareholders with no. 5%. Like we didn't even pay attention to this part. But just recently looking back at it, it's... Um, it's quite a find that yeah. we think is really exciting and I'm not sure if anyone else has kind of noticed it or yeah. if it's going to turn out to be what we think it will be. What we think it is. But let's talk about it. So Spacelink, this is a constellation of three satellites. Uh, they'll be launching four satellites as like one backup, but it's a, a constellation of three satellites in what they call the the MEO yeah, the, the, the middle Earth orbit. The 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 mirror orbit. So there's three different orbits um, around the Earth that satellites float in. Low Earth orbit, which is around about two two thousand kilometers from the Earth. Everything between two thousand kilometers and thirty thousand, I think, is the middle Earth. And then there's the geo, which is the outer orbit. Outer, greater Earth orbit. So these satellites will be functioning in the middle Earth orbit. Most satellites are in the lower Earth orbit, which is very congested. Um, and also these satellites eventually will be um, optical enabled enabled yes which what it means is that the first constellation of satellites that they're going to launch is just going to be using the old microwave technology that everyone uses to transmit data um, but the second constellation um, which is not included in this valuation at all but the second constellation they plan to use um, their laser communication technology which yeah. is actually um, an incredible way to transmit information securely and quickly uh, and you can transmit a lot more information using lasers than you can using microwave which we've been fascinated to learn about yeah so again they're at like the forefront of this technology that um all their other competitors in the satellite space everyone's using radio wave yeah um and from what we've listened to it's kind of like a natural progression um to something a little bit more efficient mm -hmm. um, when broadband requirements, you know, get stretched and we hit a limit. And in future, there's going to be like an evolution needed in that space. Yeah. So that's that's like far, far out. Um, but this Spacelink program is a, a solution at the moment for governments who need like greater security for data transmission. Yep. So an interesting... Um if you're wondering why they're doing this, um, this satellite constellation, the basically it's only for government clients, and then later they can add other clients. But what it does is, when you're trying to transmit data around the Earth through satellites, there's a lot of satellite hopping. Um, if you can imagine a, the Earth as a ball, and if you can imagine trying to draw a line from one side to the other in a, in terms of a straight signal, um, well, it's not very easy unless you're high up. So what? being in the middle earth orbit and being about 15,000 kilometers away from the earth with three satellites you can basically hop a signal from anywhere in the world you know from two satellites and then back down to america from anywhere in the world so that that's the goal and that's why they they plan to sell this um, technology 
to governments and there's a huge demand for it as far as I can see. And the way these three satellites work as well, um, they never lose connectivity with each other. So they're mm-hmm. constantly in communication. Um, yeah, so it's the connectivity and the secure connection that is crucial for government clients. And this is something that their competitors aren't really offering at the moment. No, no. There are a few competitors that we've found who are doing something similar, but um, it's definitely not a crowded market. Um, and they have those existing relationships with the governments already, and they're a trusted, trusted approved supplier, which is very hard to get approved from what we can tell to be, you know, a supplier of secure communications to, you know, a government like America. It's obviously a very hard thing to get approval, but, but they've, they've done that and they already have those um, relationships. As far as the economics are concerned for this project, um, using uh, NPV analysis, so just looking at the, um, the cash flows the company projects to come through the satellite constellation, um, they've given a, a value per constellation of uh, $1 billion. Um, satellites only have a life of about 12 years. Um, so they've given us some like, they haven't given us the exact numbers, but we basically agree that the right valuation for this project is somewhere around the billion dollars, basically. Don't we love Yeah, well, that's, they're kind of, they're giving you a few pieces of the puzzle here, but not the whole thing because they don't obviously want to come out and say they've got this definite huge thing asset. until yep. it is definite and with yep. government contracts it's not definite until the contract signed so yes. there's a little bit of you know piecing together required to kind of come up with what we think is the is the real is the, the real goal. the real value and what the asset is going to be worth on the OS's balance sheet yeah. basically so um, next slide yeah that's just a um, the company's own image there about explaining the different orbits of satellites and where they're going to be. You can see their MEO, Middle Earth orbit. Um, there's a lot less satellites in there, therefore therefore they last a lot longer. That low Earth orbit is like basically a congested mess as far as we yeah, can tell. Yeah, satellites only last like five years in LEO. They last about 12 years in MEO and then 15 years in GEO. Um, so I think from my research, like the biggest competitor to EOS in this space is SES. Um, but they provide satellites to a whole spectrum of clients. It's not just government. It's broadcasters, yeah. GPS, you know, internet um, providers. So mm-hmm. EOS is purely government at yeah. the moment. Yeah. And also with their function of the optical solution with their satellites, which is... Their laser technology. Their laser technology. Um, that's something that SES is not going to compete with them on. No. So... So they've got a, they've got a real advantage there. Yeah. Okay, so this is basically a snapshot of where the project is at at the moment. Um, it's a little bit confusing, but not too confusing. Spacelink is not going to be part of EOS, so it's going to be a, a joint venture that's outside of EOS. Um, they're going to get put in an, an SPV, a special purpose vehicle. Um, they're going to get some equity financing from a different a few different people, and then they're going to get some um, debt financing as well. They've said the project's going to be financed about thirty percent equity and about seventy percent debt, so quite highly levered. But again, it's not it's not recourse to EOS at all. So it's it's a, basically a separate company. And the really key point that's incredible is that EOS is not having to contribute any capital whatsoever no cash no cash yeah um they're 
they have they've, it's costing about five million dollars so far from what we can tell from just piecing it's a few startup costs from to pe- get it going from just, yeah. yeah just from piecing a few things together eos is only contributing um some staff commitment some of their expertise from their staff yep um and yeah it's kind of the liability is with space link yeah as a separate company exactly exactly so again not contributing any capital but they will be majority owners in yeah. this project so you know majority owner over half of the project is going to be owned and the control sits with the OS. That's right. Yeah, well, they haven't said percentages, but they've said they will maintain majority ownership. So we're just going to base that on 50, well, 51%. Worst case. And it could be much better than that. Yeah, they could own 70% or 80%, but depending on you know what, I guess, negotiations they have to go through to get the thing over the line. Um, you know, what stage is the project at? Well, if you look at the right-hand side of the, the slide there, um, you can see the management team is totally complete. Um, some very professional people we've looked into, those guys who are um, in charge of the project. They're very reputable um, people. Obviously, the technical aspects, the designs of the satellites have already been completed. Um, the manufacturing of the satellites and negotiations are quite advanced. Um, and they've already got a lot of interest and a lot of you know, fastening in terms of, um, I guess you'd say, what were they called again? The MOAs? MOUs. So I think it's a memorandum of understanding. So they they do have signed MOUs from the US government and the Australian government yep. to basically say um, a contract is imminent on launching the first satellite constellation. So yep. they've got kind of the intention there from the governments mm-hmm. um, and they expect to have a, f- a contract in place very soon. Um Maybe next next meeting we might hear an update on that. Yes, which so. is in which is in nine days, and that's why we've really rushed to get this out there because we thought that um, this seems to be something the market is not aware of or not fully considering, um, and would it be it would be hugely material for EOS's balance sheet to have an asset that we believe is going to be in the vicinity of five hundred million dollars for this project. You know, once another equity partner has come on board and has actually. Um, invested in the project then you have a valuation for their stake and they can then put that valuation on their balance sheet or at least that's what where we feel is going to happen yeah it's, it seems like they're really in the final stages of getting all the final i's dotted and, and t's crossed yep. so um, let's get on to the next slide because that's kind of the question is what is it worth what's it worth if this does eventuate what is it worth So yeah, the company plans to launch additional constellations in the future. Um, they put the valuation on this constellation asset at $1 billion. Um, I sent the um, following email. You can see that email on the right-hand side of the company. Um, just, I just wanted to, I didn't, I couldn't quite get my head around exactly how the, um, the balance sheet of this new company was gonna look. Um, but you can see that they've responded there that they've, <laughs> you know, you got to read between the lines a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and they, they obviously can't say too much. Um, but when someone says that your logic sounds reasonable and I can see how you reach your conclusion, um, I think that it's reasonable to assume that my valuation, which agrees with their valuation of $1 billion for the satellite constellation, um, is probably what we should be expecting. Yeah. So basically, we're expecting a $500 million asset to drop onto their balance sheet upon the signing of a contract yeah. um, with like no additional outlay required by EOS. So this asset is going to be put on their balance sheet, 
based on no investment by them, mm-hmm. a bit of their staff's time, and this joint venture going ahead and the contracts going through. So I guess the, the email there from Neil Carter, who is their new strategy officer, I mean, you can kind of take it as a yes, you're correct, or no, you're not correct. Up to it, you. But, but that's why I felt I wanted to include it because, you know, um, yeah, I just wanted to get it out there. You know, if, if we know it, then I want other people to know it as well, basically. So Yeah, you think if, if you were really off target, he would have said, no, you, you're wrong. But anyway, we'll, we'll find out eventually, we'll, won't we? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll find out maybe in nine days whether I'll, whether we'll, you know, I've read that email totally off, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, it was very, very interesting. And by all means, if you've got any more questions about that email or any more detail, just by all means, um, send us a message through on Twitter. I'll be happy to kind of explain more about it. So yeah. Okay. So this is the important bit, the valuation doing a, you know, normal discounted cash flow is a bit hard because it's really hard to work out when the contracts are going to be awarded and you know, the profit recognition and the cash flow, it's a bit, a bit challenging, but based on contracts that they already have, and based on the analyst estimates and our estimates who have gone through um, some of these contracts, um, EOS is trading on about 10 times earnings for 2022. Let's just repeat that. 10 times earnings. Have we seen that in the past six months? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for, for those of you who are too young to know what 10 times earnings is, <laughs> well, look, they, they haven't made the earnings yet, but it's, it's, you know, it's a very cheap price considering all of the crazy technology and all of the the IP and all of the incredible things this company can do. It's a very cheap valuation. And then when you look at it in terms of asset value, so the current book value is 370 million. Um, there's no debt in the balance sheet at all. No debt at all, yeah. And they they have this um, tendency to write down all of their assets to zero as soon as they spend the money on them. So they've got a space research center in Canberra um, that was built as part of a $200 million investment and a second facility in uh, Western Australia, both 100% owned by EOS and not on the balance sheet. Not on the balance sheet. Why, just put, like, why you know, put it on there? You, you know? just get all this stuff for free. It's it's not written anywhere, no, but... Sure. <laughs> you know, if I mean, if, if they ever needed to monetize that, I'm sure they could do some kind of like sale lease back thing or something. Who knows? But um, again, not on the balance sheet, a real hard asset there. And again, the this... This uh, majority stake in this special purpose vehicle, currently not in the balance sheet. And the mar- space link, yeah. And the fact that the, um, the company is trading at 10 times 2022 earnings, again, based on none of those products that we mentioned, you know, getting huge contract wins or anything, based only on the contracts that they've already won, um, it's a pretty crazy cheap valuation, which is why when we got to this point of it, um, and after checking everything, we, we doubled up and it's now 11% of the portfolio. Yeah. So, are we missing something? We can't find it. We've tried. I we've, don't we've, know. We've, we've <laughs> tried pretty hard um, to find, you know, like uh, something we're missing here. Um, there are some risks we've gone through at the end, which, which we'll go through, which yeah. we, we can see. Yeah. By all means, as always, check all of this information, check our facts, check our reasoning, make up your own mind. Um, but yeah, we, we're feeling pretty comfortable that considering what you're getting and considering the price you're paying for the earnings that are looked in, it's it's got a lot of positives. Yeah. And what else do you get for free? This is just a bonus round, people. A couple so, of things. Well, the, the first point is the satellite constellations again, which we kind of touched on already. Yep. But I feel like the, the optical component of these satellites 
which is forefront of this technology. Um, just it, it's a quicker, more secure, um, more efficient way of transmitting data from space back to ground stations on Earth. Yes. And you just think in the future, we're going to need more internet. We're, we're going to need more data. We're going to need faster internet. Um, faster data transmission. Yeah. It's, it's just like, and they already own this IP. Yeah. Right? There's nothing more to be developed. They have it. It's just a matter of when the need presents itself. And as Ben Green... There's a solution. <laughs> exactly. And as Ben Green said um, in a couple of different presentations, there's about a trillion dollars of sunk cost, which is going to the old technology. And mm. that's why it's still being used. It's not necessarily because it's really good at transmitting data. No. Um, from what he said, this technology that they've designed can transmit data a lot faster and a lot easier, a lot more accurately. Mm. Um, but yeah, this, this kind of historical way of doing things is what's held up. So if we do get to the point where we're desperate for more data, you could easily see this technology. Um, again, you're not paying for this. This is totally free, but they do have this technology. They own it, yeah. yeah. I mean, the downside with this is that, you know, everything needs to be updated in order to use this new technology. Sure. You know, it's not going to fit with our current radio wave system. system. Yep. So, but, you know, it's, it's just a future bonus that you never know what could come from it. It's cool to have in the in the bank. Sure. Um, the other breakthrough as well that they own is a laser technology, which basically destroys space junk. That's that's right. They they it, own lasers that. Pachoo, pachoo. Star Wars, anyone? Star Wars, um, anyone? Why aren't they making like lightsabers? I don't know. I don't know. That they should they cool. should definitely make some lightsabers. That yeah. would definitely get the investing community excited. But anyway, you know the Leo orbit at least that is so congested. There's yeah. so much shit up there. Um, Tesla's about to launch 12,000 new satellites to go up there as well. Yep. So that's even just going to get more full. More congested. Um, so a laser to like shoot down stuff or move it out of the way. Yeah. Sure, that's going to be useful at some point. Exactly. As, <laughs> anyway, as, they've as, got it. <laughs> as they said there, you know, about halfway into that paragraph from the bottom, um, the technology is to form laser beams that can track and move space debris at lower altitudes and faster speeds than ever previously possible. Um, the IP was developed by EOS, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, again, you're not, you're not paying for that. No. So, interesting. Something else. Just, yeah, they're just geniuses. And no one's no one's hearing about it. <laughs> well, not, not yet. Fingers crossed. Um, cool. So, now, now risks. Um, I failed physics in high school. You did. And we both did Math B. Together. Next to each other. And you stole all my answers. I did. Um, and I didn't really pay that much attention anyway. So, so, so despite loving science and, you know, I've really enjoyed looking at this company, I would not consider myself or I don't think you consider yourself either love like experts on if they really do have the best technology no, or really absolutely are. Not. And even if we were experts, it's very hard to tell because you've got governments developing technology. And so it's a very competitive, competitive field. Um, but the fact that they've won these contracts, you know, and they've, they've been able to get these guns to be so much more accurate using their laser technology has definitely given us a lot of confidence, hasn't it? I think so, yeah. You know, the fact that a competitor might be able to come in and bring out a new version of technology that's going to make EOS's stuff redundant, yep. sure, you know, that could happen. It's, but it's, it's something it's, we'll be monitoring, I think, for sure, like, you know, ongoing. We'll be looking for that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, it's a risk yeah. to be always conscious of. For sure, for sure. Um, yep, contracts, you know, governments can be funny. Um, it takes a while to win one. You know the cash flow is unpredictable. 
it comes, you know, but obviously the government's good for it, which is a positive thing. Um, obviously there's risks around Spacelink. Um, although like we were saying before, you're not really even paying for Spacelink. Um, you know, before it was announced, the, ca- the, the share price was actually higher. So the share price, I know. the share price has come down 20% since they announced they were doing Spacelink. So somehow that project seems to be like costing the company money. The, I think the only shareholder question regarding that was how are, how are you guys going to get payment back for the 5 million you spent on startup costs for Spacelink? And basically the CEO was like, um, you know, honestly, that's not even a factor if you account for what's going to happen to yeah. the balance sheet. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, without saying too much, he was like, "Really, you know?" You're asking about the zoom five, out. You're people. asking about the five million, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> saying that though, contracts with governments, U.S. governments, looking a little flimsy at the moment. They might not be good for it. But <laughs> <laughs> that's another one to put on the risk sheet. Yeah, 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 sure. But you know, ten, ten times earnings accounts for a lot of uncertainty. So it there does. is there is uncertainty, but that's uh, we feel you're being paid for it. Um, the share dilution. Is something that's been an issue a couple of times. So a couple of times they've had orders that are um, larger than they expected, I assume, and they've had to raise capital. Um, the market loved that, I think, the last time it happened. Um, no problem at all. Share price wasn't affected, really. Um, this time, the share price was affected. Um, during COVID, they had a massive order that was due to be delivered during COVID, and obviously that affected everything their ability. Everything just got on standstill, yep. and everything was deferred like six months to a year. Yep. So none of the contracts were cancelled. Um, no unhappy customers. Nope. Everything has literally just been deferred for, yep. for about a year till they could start up again. And share price down, you know, roughly 30% in that time. Yeah. But these guys, I mean, they do seem to dilute shares, overtaking on debt. Yep. I don't know if that's just, they feel better cash flow wise, not having debt on the balance sheet or, yeah. or what that's about. But it's, not really concerned for us. No, when we've gone back and looked at it, um, it seems like every time they they raise capital, um, the, the cost of that capital was offset by the, the the use they were using it for. So it doesn't really concern us, although it's something to watch. Um, now, this is kind of a different um, risk. the The fact is that they do seem like scientists, and I do wonder. And we were both discussing this, like if they're really interested in trying to make huge amounts of profit from the technology or are they more interested in developing technology and people have different motivations for running businesses you know like um, but they have been looking like they're moving more towards trying to generate large profits from this technology base they have Um, so that's a risk and there's there's been recently been a new CFO and a new chief strategy officer appointed Um, so you know so we're hoping that these guys are coming on board now to kind of monetize the business and make it you know a bit more investor financially attractive for investors so we'll see what they do yeah well let's check let's check let's check back in a few years and see if they've been able to you know monetize things a bit a bit better um and the last risk is just you know like like any company that operates overseas the the currency movement could be a factor so if the u.s dollar was to move in a big way and they're making money in u.s dollars you know, transmitting that money back. Converting would, it back to Australian dollar. Yeah, it's going to... Would be a negative. Be a negative, but... So something to think about. Um, but yeah, that's that's in our presentation. Um, yeah, I guess thanks very much for listening. Um, yeah, we hope it all made sense. Um, it's a, yeah, you go. 
Yeah, if you've got anything to add or any more questions or you've got more information for us, please let us know. We would love to hear about it. Especially when it comes to the the science and that question around their laser technology versus the existing system. I'd love to talk to somebody who has a bit of expertise in that area Mm. uh, who can let us know, yes, they actually are you know, at the forefront technology here or, or they're not. Like, that would be awesome to know, eh? Like, it would be, yeah. be really good. But, um, yeah, this is a bit of a different podcast, a bit more serious than we're usually used to, but um, we've been working pretty hard on this one and we're pretty excited about it. So we just wanted to get it out there to everyone and um, give everyone a chance to make their mind up, hopefully before they announce this new asset in the balance sheet. Um, again, could be wrong, but all signs point to, you know, positive developments in the near future. We will find out. Um, next episode will probably be a little bit more general, more conversational. So um, tune back in then. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. If you got this far, thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed the conversation. Now, if you'd like to become my 22nd or my 43rd follower on Twitter, links are in the show notes below. Mitch, anything else? Nothing to add. <laughs>